Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 16 of This Korean Life. Do you need a lesson plan on the fly? Do you want to make next Friday's class more memorable? Check out ESL Hacker. The team is dedicated to making creative classroom content. ESL Hacker provides classroom materials to help you conduct more exciting, dynamic, and engaging classes. They provide worksheets for pop songs, mini documentaries. They have a true story section and also a monthly newspaper. Stop winging all of your classes and teaching boring old books day after day. Check out eslhacker.com and follow them on Instagram and Facebook at ESL Hacker. Today's podcast is also brought to you by Ox Smoke and Grill. No longer the hidden gem it once was. The Ulsan Ox Smoke and Grill restaurant is located in the Central Weave Zai building and offers amazing burgers, ribs, and the best smoked meat in town. Don't forget the apple coleslaw. This is not your regular barbecue. Last time I went, I had the platter, which comes with uh, an assortment of meat. The ribs were unreal. The pulled pork. Listen, I make pulled pork at home. This stuff is different. You'll know when you try it. It's so good. Also, it's just it's a welcome to break from the standard Korean barbecue. Uh, they're open daily for lunch and dinner and also offer catering services for your next special event. Check them out at Ox Smoking Grill on Facebook or Instagram to see more of their mouth-watering creations. Today's episode features Kanet Enslin. Kanet came to Ulsan from South Africa with the dream of leading her own church. Six short years later, she has started her own following called Journey, which services the Ulsan community. Kanet shared her unique perspective on living in Korea as a South African pastor, being married to an American, giving birth in Korea, and she shed some light on why the South African teacher population in South Korea has seen an influx in the recent years. We had a great time chatting. I hope you all enjoy. You are now tuned into This Korean Life with your hosts, Brian and Nate. Hello and welcome back. We're here today with Kanat Enslin. I want to jump right into it here. Kanat, you you are the head of... Journey English Church. Journey English Church. That's correct. Growing up, I went um, I went to Catholic school my whole life. And one teacher, one of our teachers, she said something to me one time that really kind of had a lasting effect. And I want to ask you about it. She told us one time, we always asked. I think she was a, she was a nun at one point and then changed into a teacher. We always ask, like, why were you a nun? What were you, why, you know, what made you become a nun? She said, it was my calling. It was my calling. And she was just so convinced that she had to be a nun at, at one point in her life so um not to not to throw a <laughs> a hard or a fastball at you right away but what was your what was your calling to uh to the church what was was there one moment or was it uh was it something you always felt uh yeah i i would agree with your your nun teacher it yeah. was my calling <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Um, no, I wouldn't say it was a lifelong pursuit. When I was young, I was um, very academic. So I was um, studying systems engineering, actually, when I, I left oh, school. Wow. Um, and then, um, yeah, just a very distinct, un- unavoidable calling. Mm. And so I changed my my track and started studying theology, just went to my mother's room and said, I'm going to study theology. And... Uh, Sort of all went from there. Wow. What was the reaction amongst your peers, family, etc., from changing directions so quickly? 
My mom's first response was, oh, I, I expected that. Really? Um, because I had recently started uh, volunteering at a local church, just working with youth. Mm. Um, and I had started studying psychology because I wanted to better deal with the youth. Mm. Um, and so the mm. psychology sort of let me into and then um, needing to know more spiritually. And yep. so, yeah, my family said no, they, they saw it coming and they were supportive. So did you go to church growing up or was that... Yeah, we would. I would say we were. I was raised in a quasi-Christian. Uh, like we're born in South Africa, we're we're a Christian nation. We all go to school. We all go to church. But I became born again of my own volition when I was mm. 17. Oh, cool. How um, growing up in uh, in South Africa? What do you think are some of the misconceptions that um, that even I probably still have? <laughs> um, again, living here, I've been introduced and, and have some South African friends who always uh, always squash my my preconceptions when I ask, "Is it like this? Is it like that?" Like, no, it's not like that. What do you think is the biggest misconception about uh, um, about maybe that Koreans have about South Africans? Okay. Uh, first thing Koreans say to me is, "But you're not black." <laughs> um, when I when I introduce myself. Um, yeah. So that's a big misconception that everybody in South Africa is black, but we are 11 different languages, 11 official languages. 11 official languages? Yeah. And so there's a lot of cultures represented, of which I am one, which is the mm. Afrikaner culture, which is a, a white Dutch sort okay. of background. And I think I've gotten questions like, oh, do you have electricity in your hut? Um <laughs> Do you have a, a lion as a pet? Yeah. Um, so they, they do assume we have wild animals roaming about and that our, our infrastructure is very poor. Mm. Are these mostly from children or younger aged people or even from the adult population? Uh, yeah, I would say the, the hut comment was from a teenager and then uh, the animal comments were from kids. The, but you're not black. I've gotten from adults, uh, sure. senior citizens. Yeah. And how do you deal with those? Do you take those as learning opportunities to explain and inform or are you offended or how I've traveled a lot and I've heard all kinds of depends if she's at her more do you live in an igloo <laughs> and, and all kinds of stuff and you know I just they just slip off my back I don't even notice them anymore but how about for you uh, I think South Africa is a beautiful culture a country with so much to offer so I definitely an opportunity to share um, no, we can, we can, we are so much more than that, or we have, <laughs> we have uh, so much we can offer. So mm. definitely not taking offense. Um, and and it's for me, it's the same when I'm teaching about kind of the world or other places or trying to enlighten some Koreans on, you know, just because you saw one story on the news doesn't mean all Muslims are like that or all African countries are like that or, and you know, look, I mean, they have bigger shopping malls than Korea. Mm -hmm. Oh, really? That's really yeah. Yeah, it's not just people living in huts in Africa and it's not, you know, every suicide bombers in, in the Muslim country. It, it's not. I lived there for, for a while. I also use those as opportunities to try and inform the Koreans to be a little bit more critical and to, to re do a little research and open their minds a little bit because they can be very narrow-minded at times, I guess. Mm -hmm. That's, uh, I don't know, that's something I'm still working on. I think it really depends on the on the day or the situation. Like, I don't know, I, I think I'd like to say 
over 90% of the time I'm okay, but when you walk in, if you're having a bad day, you get that wrong, that wrong. 90, look that's or, very gracious. Or, 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 what, for me or for you? For you. Come on, I'm not that. I, I think, I, I, as I it tell just, my university students, I think traveling is one of the best educations you can, you can buy. Uh, I still value the, the university, the process of going through university or college, but I think traveling, you can't, you can't get a more authentic experience. I don't mean the package tour three days, four nights, but I've spent almost four years, <laughs> four years backpacking around the world. And I, I've lived in Africa for a while and, and lots of time in Southeast Asia and, and over <clears throat> Europe. And I just think you can't, you can't buy those experiences. I mean, you have to go and do them and, and live them. And then you can pass that along to your, your kids, your spouse, your friends, and, and maybe they become more interested to learn about other cultures and become more understanding. <laughs> I think the, yeah, the one one reason that I try and curb the the anger, the like, what do you look or you know, why would you say that, or is because I think our kids growing up, if you, if they see you react in a in a negative way, like, hey, look at the bald guy, what do you mean, you know, and yell at the kid, or I think you know, if you if we have bad reactions towards that, that's gonna seep into the next generation of kids, and that's not uh, can't have that. We're gonna <laughs> let's leave the anger with me. But anyway. You said 11 official languages and, and many different cultures. Um, the, the, well, the best part about having 11 official languages <clears throat> is that guy from, uh, from Mandela's funeral. He can sign all 11 languages. Well, you know? I didn't know that. No? No. I remember, I remember a story on that guy maybe. But... Gone to left field. All right, keep going. Um, <laughs> what, is, what is the current status there? I mean, is, is, it, is there a lot of... Does everyone get along or, or is it still very segregated or, or how mm. what is it like these days so i've been out of the country for six years yeah. so i would say my my knowledge is probably not as extensive as it would have been date, yeah what i what i know is that there are um a lot of um racial issues even still right so there's a um, we have our country at the moment has the highest number of uh murders of farmers Really, it is an endemic. It has been described as uh, uh, not an endemic, an ep epidemic. epidemic. Mm. Been described as a civil war by some of the overseas reporters, but that is not being reported on because it happens, you know, daily. Um, so the the farm murders are a huge deal for us, and then just to reach, there's there's a continuous uh, racial issues as well as um, um, a lot of xenophobia from other um, countries visitors coming in so that's that's the sad thing and I I love my country mm. um, I'm not a, a negative person but that's also why I'm keeping my daughter here mm, right. at this time because even though I have high hopes and dreams that our country could be restored to its uh, you know something mm. the the safety is the biggest concern mm. there's a lot of safety issues where highest rape rape number yeah. i think second in the world now oh. i'm talking under correction though yeah. but, mm. and uh, is that day-to-day -day mm. safety concerns mm, mm, mm. is weapons a major part of it or is it mostly sexual attacks or just everything I think it's the degree of violence associated with the attacks. Okay. So if, if if you hijack somebody somewhere else, you'll stick your gun, you'll take their stuff and you'll leave. But for us, they'll kill you. and So they'll rape you and they'll kill you to take your wallet. Uh, they'll come to your house, they'll, yeah. they'll rape and kill everybody to take your TV. 
Right. Um, so the degree of violence or right. the degree of not being safe for mm. women specifically right. or farmers mm. specifically is a big social crisis. So I, I tell a story to some of the some of my kids about I used to live in Ghana for a while and then I traveled all over the West. And I remember having a, a gun on my head for my slippers, mm-hmm. for, for my sandals. Mm-hmm. And I said, sure, take them. And they said, oh, my God, that must be so scary. And I said, but it's not. It's instead of making a big scene and fighting and arguing in public and, you know, a, a scrap or a tussle, just give me it. Okay, here, go, done. Mm-hmm. And it, it's cut clean, dry, and it, and it's gone. But, yeah, like you say, if they're doing that for a TV or for um, it, that level is mm-hmm. is crazy. Is but, that is that everywhere? Is that is there certain uh, is there certain area? Um, what's the not Johannesburg? Mm-hmm. Is a is a scary? Uh, mm-hmm. that, that's a scary, mm-hmm. a scary city. Okay. Yeah. So I grew up there my whole life. Mm. So it, the 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 crime is mostly located to the urban areas. Mm. So if you live in a small town on the coast, fifty okay. percent safer, I would say. Oh, okay, okay, okay. But the main cities are the the big hotspots. Mm. So what about, I, what about, I'm just curious about tourism, because I know there's a lot of tourists that go to South mm-hmm, Africa, mm-hmm. Or, or it's an arrival point for a lot of them at least. Mm-hmm. What is it like? I, I never hear stories in the news about tourism and, and, you know, dangerous experiences for tourism. Maybe I'm, I'm just not well-read mm-hmm. enough in South Africa, but what about tourism? I mean, it doesn't seem to affect the tourism industry, mm-hmm. or does it? I don't know the statistics. Right. I do know that I would highly always recommend people to go just because it's so gorgeous. Mm, and sure. I think people continue going, number one, because it offers something that they're not used to. So everybody thinks they're going to have the safari experience. Right. And number two, because it's just so, so cheap. So if you are traveling from anywhere else in the world, because our currency is weak, mm. uh, you can go to South Africa and live like a king for a month or in a five-star hotel. Mm. And it will cost you what... You know, it will cost you to live here. Or huh. um, so I think that's why people keep doing it because it's the, the the natural scenery is gorgeous and it is really really affordable. There was a, there's the actually one of the first South African uh, friends I met. He was saying just within the country, if you drive two hours north, you can ski. You drive uh, you drive out east or wherever, and you, you can have a beach and you go here and you're you're hiking in the mountains, mm-hmm. which sounds like a pretty pretty cool destination to. Mm-hmm. To, uh, to be. That's would, awesome. Would you say that government uh, is more invested in tourism areas to protect that industry and the tourists and keep them safe so people keep coming? Or is it just luck? Or I, I'm not sure right now. The government has or the president has changed since I left. Right. I'm not up to date with the current president. But in general, growing up or over the years, I mean... If people said Africa for the longest time, all I thought of was South Africa mm-hmm. until I went there and lived in West Africa for, for quite a while. But still, when people say Africa, you think South Africa mm-hmm. all the time. It's immediate. Really? Yeah. Jungle, oh safari, South Africa. Mm, yeah, I think when you hear Africa, you think South Africa? I think in general, I think that's a normal. Even I think when I, before I came to Korea, when you said Asia, it was China or Japan. Mm. No one oh thought God. of South Korea. Mm. Man, I got wor- it I didn't, it didn't, say, wasn't on the map when... When I hear Africa, I get like world vision images. But what country like, do you think of? The, the, the poorest nation in the world. Like, whatever, I don't, wherever they show on world Ethiopia. vision. And, <laughs> Ethiopia. Yeah. Sure, like, but, but that's what I mean. People don't don't recollect. The, the, no one thinks Mozambique or, or Congo. or They just think automatically of either yeah. what's in the news for the war or... Yeah. I just think South Africa has been in the mainstream new media for so long that... Mm. I think that's a lot of people's first country they think of. If someone said Africa, South Africa, 
And I think it, it, for a long time, it was the forerunner mm. sure. as far as development went. Yeah. Mm. And also, number one, tourism, number two, sports. So our, our sports, our rugby, stuff mm. like that is, right. is, is very well known. The Blade Runner there. And, it's, <laughs> and I, I think it's more adaptable or associated with Western societies or cultures. Mm. Having mm. the rest of Africa is predominantly black. So it, like you say, if it's a Dutch, Dutch colony or Dutch uh, past, then I think that's a lot easier to adapt to for someone who's going, where am I going to go? I mean, I was in Ghana. I was based in Ghana, and it was English and Christian, so that was a lot easier for me than thinking, I mean, after when I was through Mali, Burkina, and, and Niger and stuff, wow, that would have been a lot different place to live mm. full-time, meaning that they, they don't speak English, and their Muslim country is very, very different than being in a Christian Ghana mm. um, surrounded by French, the rest of French-colonized West Africa. Mm. So I think a lot of people might be able to associate more with South Africa mm. than some of the other ones. So what made you what made you pull the trigger on coming uh, on coming over to and you came six years ago. That's probably around uh, 2013. I came nuclear threat time. Was that, <laughs> yep. Yeah, yep. That, yep. Uh, that was an interesting time to come. What made you uh, what made you decide to, to hop on over? I would say you're you're nun teacher again. It was the call of God. <laughs> yeah. Um, I had been working for the same church about seven years in South Africa mm. and just looking for a change. I had hit a roof because I was female, I think, and some other elements. Um, so thinking about changing to another church, not another country at mm. all. South Korea, as you said, never even thought about it. Um, <laughs> in South Africa, we presume, uh, assume Asians are Chinese, stereotypically. Mm. Uh, but um, a friend of mine had come here to teach, mm. met another friend, my husband, George, and said that the church at the moment had no pastor. There was a small English congregation in existence at, at, uh, Shiman, English, at Shiman Church, the mm. Korean church. Yep. And they, at that stage, had, had not, not had a pastor for two years. Mm. So three weeks later, I was here, sold my house, my car. <laughs> My wow. furniture. In three weeks, huh? Yep, and uh, came. So how old were you when you came to Korea? 2013, 33. And what was the general consensus at home amongst, again, your peers, your your family and friends? Wow, huh? Korea, why, what? Or Oh yeah, that was utter understood? utter shock. Yeah. <laughs> my, my friends and family were completely shocked. They did not understand. They were very, My mother was extremely concerned because we only see elements of stuff on the news and it's very blown. Well, it's the same for us looking at South Africa. Right, and it's very blown out of proportion. She thought I was going to get bombed or I said my chances are way greater to get raped than to yeah, get yeah, bombed. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, quite quite shocked. But um, that's even even when I, I came in two thousand four, and even when I came, and you know, it was Japan, China for for the Olympics, for sports, for anything. That's what we knew. That was before Hyundai, before Samsung became wildly popular, and K-pop and and the Hallyu you know wave. But I remember them thinking, don't you want to go teach in Europe or or somewhere safer? Or because same thing, you hear bits and clips of which was then Kim Jong Il. Um, and now Kim Jong-un, but yeah, it was, it was again, that kind of apprehension. I was like, I don't care. I don't know anything about it. To me, it's the same Japan, China. I don't know. I'm just going to go and see what it's like. Mm. If I don't like it, I'll leave. And here I am <laughs> many, many years later with a wife and kids. So, <laughs> what, uh, so you came like you were, um, elected 
the pastor of this church before you came or did you come here and you have to apply or is there a is it an application uh, you... no because because the church was made up as of, of uh, foreigners but under the covering of the korean church which is a shimin church in ulsan mm. uh so I came and I started just volunteering. Mm. So in order to volunteer, I taught. So at that stage, I taught at a hagwon. Mm. So, English. Yeah. So that that gave me a visa to be legal. Oh, okay, right. Okay. So the, the church or the hagwon? My visa yeah. was through the hagwon. Oh, okay. The church could not extend me a visa. So the church recommended if you want to stay and volunteer, mm-hmm. get a job teaching, mm-hmm. and then you can mm-hmm. hear that maybe we can transition after. Yeah. So okay. I, I, and also because there was just no infrastructure and finances, the church had been floating for two mm-hmm. years. Right. Um, a pastor Kevin told you before that they had a pastor, Pastor Bill from the states, and he had left. Mm. So there was two years where they had nobody, so it sort of dwindled down. So I volunteered maybe a year, seven months, and then I transferred full time. To the Korean church's staff. Yeah. And what did what did the volunteering entail? I so did I everything worked. the pastor does, but I wasn't paid for it. <laughs> I I I had a full time job Internship. as a teacher. So. Yeah. But so was that mass once a week or? Uh. So. Or is there also a youth group or? Uh, yeah. Or is uh, it? So we have Sunday worship service. We uh-huh. have Bible studies three times or twice a week. At that stage. Uh, kids Bible study, middle school Bible study. Um, and that was all in English? Yeah, yeah. Everything is in English. And who were the kids coming to that service mostly? Because there wasn't a lot of... Now there's a lot of foreigners who are married to Koreans. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, even a few years back, there wasn't that many. It's, it's getting very, very common. Now. There's lots of women married to Korean men. Mm-hmm. Um, but who were most of the children coming? Was that engineers' kids or no, no, no? This is all the um, the because I was on staff for the Korean church. Most of my classes were organized and attended by Korean members. Uh-huh. So my worship service. So the Korean church has um, the Korean service about three thousand members, and then they have a Mongolian, a Vietnamese, and an English service as well. For each of those, they have a pastor. So I was the pastor assigned to the English worship. Mm. My week time activities, though, the classes were all for the kids of the Korean service who wanted to study in English, mm-hmm. right? So the kids' Bible study was all the kids from there. And yeah. the, um, we have a reading class. It's all the kids, uh, the, the moms from there. Um, I teach at the library. It's the moms from there. Mm. So. so did you feel that that was more, we want to get free English through church? Or was that more, because it, to, to me, it would automatically seem just like when, when I was single and I used to date, it, it seemed like every... You know, you would have to talk to 10 girls to find one who didn't just want to use you for English. And did you feel that way? And you, do you feel like, but I want to be a real pastor. I want to, I don't want you guys just doing this for free English lessons. I want to really. Mm-hmm. Well, I think it was George Bush that said, wasn't, <laughs> I was going to quote him. Did he say, the, the Bible was written in English and that's the language we should speak or something. <laughs> oh my goodness. Oh, <laughs> they just want to study oh. it in, in the way it was written. Huh? Um, no, no, no. Um, for me, I think there's always two sides. There might be those who get what they can, and then there might. For me, it's a mission. It's missions. So I am. Uh, I have a missionary mindset. So everything I do is missions orientated. So if you are coming for English, but I share the love of Christ, my job is being done. Right. So for me, what whatever the Korean church asked of me, even though my husband has a similar um, concern as you. Um, 
for me, it felt like I'm doing God's work. Mm. So if I'm uh, sharing love with those kids or those teenagers or whatever classes they wanted me to do, missional thinking. Because we find it all the time that like through We Hope, everybody wants us to come and teach English for free. Mm -hmm. But we want to work with other disadvantaged youth that were, where it's more about love and friendship and relationship building and and caring and being mentors but mm. everybody can you guys come teach english what we're, we're not english teachers we come from all yes. kinds of different backgrounds mm. we're not just english teachers we're, we're multi-dimensional so mm -mm. but so many you, you know and orphanages a, or or multicultural oh but it's so hard for them to go to hogwans they don't have lots can we just teach english for free but we're Lots of us do that in our jobs. Some some don't. Some are students or, or professors or those engineers. Are the, those are the hardest. The those are the most difficult programs for us to run. Ironically, are the to, to find volunteers to do to do that. And when we do them, that's we get complaints for that. Oh, he didn't do this or that. Mm. We never wanted to do it in the first place. You know. That's I the, think for me it was a mind shift. <laughs> if you are a missionary in Africa, so I worked in South Africa. I worked in Mozambique. What do you have is poverty. So when you are a missionary, you give food and clothes mm. and water right. and Bibles and paper in order to show the love of Christ. Here, I work in a community that do not, they do not need those things. Right. There are a few so, up on, uh, on so the, the only commodity I have that they want is English. Right. So for me, it was a mind shift. Okay, if I, what can I give here? Mm. And English, yeah, they do take uh, some people do take advantage. Um, they would invite you for coffee. George always says exactly the same. lunch, yeah. drinks. You end up with lots of best friends. <laughs> yeah, because it's cheaper than paying for tutoring. Yeah. But uh, at the same time, this is this is the only arrow I have in my quiver here mm. to share the love of Christ. So if it takes me sharing English, then yeah, let's cool. let's do it. It's, your, uh... it's the same for our worship service. I mean, we have people coming to our worship service just to listen to English. They're not Christian. They're not saved. They're Buddhist. They're whatever. But they sit and they uh, listen. And then afterwards we chat and we always have social events. They come to everything because it's nice. English. Yeah. Um, do you do... There's uh, one of my wife's friends who lives in the building here. She belongs to another another local church. And she says there's lots of... Uh, Lots of kids who they kind of do one-to-one, -one. not not mentoring, but kind of. Oh, maybe maybe I guess it would be mentoring. If kids have a problem; they have someone to go and to go and talk to. Or you guys do that as well. Well, I'm a registered sure. therapist, so I do a lot of therapy here. But that's mostly for foreign member or, or foreigners, mm. because um, there are very limited psychological opportunities mm. for English speakers here. Absolutely, you cannot see a, a, a therapist here. Yeah. So I, I ended up just becoming the go-to yeah. <laughs> because nice. back home I, I had a center for maybe seven years, a therapy center. Nice. But here people just see me on Facebook or online, mm. but it's not church members. It's just anybody in the foreign community. What, what, uh, what would you say is the biggest problem or the, the biggest uh, yeah, the, the thing that people struggle with most? Uh, I could not. I cannot necessarily answer that without uh, talking, breaking confidence. But let me say a general uh, overall covering. I would say is things related to loneliness causing depression. There's okay. there's no support system here. There's no family yeah. system here. Yeah. So people are lonely and therefore depressed. Yeah. 
Okay, that's it. I expected. I expected that, or, or overstressed. That was that was one of. Uh, and that is, I mean, we talked to uh, to Jeshrin before, and he was saying that's the the reason he goes. He feels really safe and warm, and it's a nice, it's a very welcoming community mm-hmm. in the in the in the church, which is good. How I used to work at Unist, mm-hmm. and uh, I know there's a lot of one professors at Unist and two students at Unist who go to church, mm-hmm. and I, I didn't know when I got when I got hired there, and, and I kind of slowly learned afterwards why it was. But what is the of the foreign population that you have attending your service? Are the majority of them young students and and maybe uh, foreign workers, or mm-hmm. what are what's the made the main population of foreigners that attend? Service. Mm, I would say a third of our members are uh, UNIST or U- University of Ulsan students, mm, mm-hmm. the largest contingency being UNIST. Mm. And then a third, maybe uh, about a third would be English teachers. And then a third, either Korean or other workers here, engineers or related to the engineering industry, things yeah. like that, or local Koreans. Cool. So one of my questions, I don't know if it was for Kevin or Jeshwin, was something along the lines of, in, in Canada, you know, everybody goes to their church. Mm. And we're Pentecostal, we're Presbyterian, we're Methodist, we're Lutheran. Mm. But when you come to places like this, there's not those options. Mm-hmm. And... I want to go to church. I want to go to service. There's only one option. It's mm-hmm. yours. So I would go. Um, but what is it like when when they come? How do you receive? I mean, do you try and learn about them in their background? This guy came from a Catholic church, so he might think a little different. Or, or who cares? Just you're all here. That's what's important. And let's be people of God or whatever. Mm. Yeah, that is a unique challenge. My thesis on expatriate diaspora multicultural ministry because we have no options when i started there were five english churches in ulsan really yeah so we had one at wow. the foreigner compound down in dongu right. okay. we had zenos in 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 um, midtown so. right now we have two that i am aware of which is mine and then pastor shin who is at the presbyterian church in songnamdong also started his own church recently mm. which is city center church so he's korean but fluent in english he caters uh, very beautifully to the Filipino community. Okay. Um, uh, so mostly Filipino workers and wives of Korean members. A very lovely ministry. Our church is super, super mixed. Um, as I said, Catholics, Presbyterian, you name it. So we present ourselves as non-denominational. We do not focus on my specific um, theological background or my denomination. I don't push any specific denomination. We have in common that we we believe in Christ, we believe in God, and we believe in the Word of God, the Bible as it is, and we welcome anybody who's willing. (laughs) When it comes to mom, when it comes to Mary, we got a little, uh, we draw the line. (laughs) Draw the line, you said. Yeah. We have three Catholic members because <laughs> they feel welcome. They've been there forever. They feel yeah. loved. They're our personal friends. And the the, the opportunity for English mass is limited. Absolutely. Mm. Absolutely. That's, I always think it's a unique dynamic that how, how do you make everybody. And that's when I ask the and all the Eunice kids, they always tell me they go to church. And I think, how do you guys find the church so fast? And then, you know, I'm good friends with the Ghanaians. I used to live in Ghana. And so I got along with them right away. And. Then as soon as they get here, boom! I'm playing the drums, I'm singing, I'm, and they're so involved. And like, that's awesome. But 
what's the chance that you move to Ulsan, South Korea? There's one place you can go to church and you fit in so well. Mm -hmm. And it, it was just amazing to me that so many of them could be so involved and, and have such a good time. And I mean, those guys are amazing mm -hmm. playing the instruments and, and with George as well. Um, I just think it's it's not a miracle, but I mean, it, it's incredible that of all the places in the world, boom, Ulsan, the countryside, South Korea, and these guys have a, such a fantastic place. It's great. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. Out, uh, or you mentioned George has come up a few times here. You are uh, you are married. You you came here. You were telling me. I don't know if Nate knows. Why don't you tell him how you met uh, how you met your your husband? Well, it must know? be through the friend. She said. Ah. Yeah. Well, <laughs> well, she said her friend listen, told her to come to here because she met this guy named it, George. It, it listen is, to the it is a lovely little story. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I am married to married to Mr. George Leva, my husband. Um, he was here before I came. I think he's been in Korea maybe seven, seven and a half years. Um, the friend of mine who introduced me to this job met George at church. And so he asked George to come pick me up when I arrived in Ulsan because George had a car. So George was the first person I met on Korean soil. <laughs> Shut up with a ring. Right? <laughs> and it all happened from there. And awesome. So George has been here a long well, time. What, what was he driving? Same thing. <laughs> was, it a, was it a limousine or? Same thing. He's driving now, which is which is actually a. She's old. She's called Peggy. Our car. Yeah. So we met here and we we got to know each other. Dated three years and then got nice. married and had our daughter and. Ah, very so. nice, very nice. Tell uh, or again, we we're we we're mentioning before, but uh, tell us about the. Um, about your your wedding ceremony here this was just the the legal or do you know you had a party here correct mm -hmm. for friends mm -hmm. you signed the papers in america and what about south africa uh, so the... george is a u.s citizen i'm yeah. south african so we did our legal legal ceremony in in the states mm. about a month before our actual wedding which was in south africa which was our religious or our actual service mm. and then we had a small one here as well because we have such a large group yeah. of friends and the church members so we here we did a korean traditional little thing why did you decide to sign in the states I, i'm totally curious i have no idea what the benefits are uh, I think George would like for me to have one day be able to to live in the states or and okay. also for our kids to be US citizens. Um, I have no particular preference or passion to have to want to live there. Mm. Um, but I think it might open doors for my daughter absolutely yeah. uh, to have that. Cool. Very nice. what what did you think of the I mean, I married a Korean, he married a Korean, so we were very aware and, and all some of our friends have gotten married, but being two foreigners doing the Korean style thing, how how was that? Because it was funny for me. Oh, it wasn't just a party, you did the full the full <laughs> Mickey mean, Mouse it, hat. And, it, uh, it was yeah. it was funny for me, but and my family that came, I mean it was hilarious. But I, I, at least half of my family was, was Korean and, and this was normal for them and this was what well, it might not have been normal. We had a traditional one, mm -hmm. and they carried us in on these platforms. And oh my! We let chickens go in the middle, and the, the ladies had to fight for them. And we so maybe it wasn't normal. Start, but start again at uh, carrying Nate in. <laughs> we needed six 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 guys in a tow motor. I blew out two discs. <laughs> but so, what was it like being two foreigners doing a completely foreign style wedding? Oh uh, no no no! I the the we we wore the outfits and we ate the food, but we. The, the service was a just a Christian normal wedding yeah. service yeah. We, we did in English. We asked one of the Korean pastors who could speak English. 
Um, so the I think the Korean elements were mostly decorative okay. <laughs> as far as the outfits and the food went. Right. And then um, because half of our friends are, are Korean. Right. So and small little differences. They were all looking for me to take pictures of me. And <laughs> I had to sit on a chair and they wanted and I had already taken the dress off. But they like, no, every person at the wedding wanted to have a picture with me sitting in the dress before the service, <laughs> yes. where in my culture, nobody sees the bride before right, the before service. service. Yeah. So everybody was trying to find me and I was hiding. And <laughs> <laughs> so that was small little differences like that. Yeah. You got married. Did you have your daughter here? Yeah, you did. How but before, sorry, sorry, before that, what what is it like being? I mean, unique. You meet abroad. That's cool. You get married. But what is it like learning each other's customs and, and cultures and holidays? And I mean, America is a very proud nation. They have their everything is very extravagant and big and. I just think of Thanksgiving <laughs> parades and everything is so. And I mean, we're the little the little cousin to the to the north, but. Everything in the States, you just know when you get there, this is America. It feels different. Yeah. And everything, you know, you got to pump your chest up to walk around. Yeah. And so what is it? And I mean, and for George as well, learning the South African. Because mm. I mean, I, what was it like learning each other's customs and cultures and stuff? This is why we dated for three years. <laughs> um, because my husband is very American. <laughs> Proudly American. And he has a, a lot of the character that you said. Um <laughs> Um, and I, as a South African, and just also my personality is a lot more, <laughs> but um, his family are beautiful, wonderful people. And we, f we fit, I think we do, we did have a misconception when we think about East and West marrying, we expect a lot of cultural differences and we expect a lot of challenges related to that. But as two Westerners marrying, we thought the, the, the differences would be small, but it is not. <laughs> um, there are there are there are lots of even familial familial aspects. So we both celebrate Christmas, but very differently. Sure, sure. We both do birthdays, but my first first birthday is like, where's my present? No, we do it at night. We go have a fancy dinner. Oh, but I expected a present in the morning. <laughs> Smashes your face <laughs> in a cake. <laughs> so, um, so we took our time getting to know each other. And also then living in Korea is like a fishbowl. We're in a bubble. We don't have the outside influences of family. So... Um, we still have to work through that when we eventually get mm. to that. But right now, it's just the two of us in this little space with no family, no support. Um, so do you think that's easier in some ways or more challenging in some ways? Yeah, definitely pros and cons. Mm. We do not have to deal with in-laws and right. deal with things <laughs> like that. But we have no support. We have no outside influence. We cannot go and talk to our mothers or my daughter can never be babysat. We're never alone. Mm. Things, small things that have benefits yeah. and... Sure. Do you ever just make make things up like, oh, it's birthday in South Africa, you got to massage my feet for thirty minutes in the morning? <laughs> I've never done that, but you've given me a great idea. Great idea you've given After me. After you've been married for four years, the traditions change. Yeah. On the fourth year of marriage, my husband gave. So, what what was it like having a a child in Korea? I mean, my personal experience and most of the guys I know, it's it's very different. Um, there's a lot of compromises that have to be made. And, and I mean, we, we are dealing with Korean families and, and their value system. So it can be challenging. But is it, I'm, I'm wondering if it's easier for two foreigners. I'm familiar with Roy and Emily's story. Mm -hmm. um, is it, do you think maybe it was 
was easier for you because you don't have to worry about Korean culture and everything else? Or do you mm. get a lot of that when you go to the hospital still? Or do they say, uh, they're both not Korean, so we'll just do what they say? Or mm-hmm. or you have to still do what they think? Or mm. what was it like uh, having a child here and going through that, going through that process? Mm, I think um, because of our personality yeah. differences. So I... I tra- you, and the, you and the birthing nurse? Or? No, you, <laughs> you the, me and my husband. Oh, okay, okay. So uh, I tend to want to submit to cultural um, whatever is prescribed because I feel like okay. I'm here, I'll do this. Yeah. I am in Rome, I do as Romans yeah. do. My husband is, I am American, I'm a foreigner, <laughs> I shall do as, a, as an American yeah, yeah. does. So but there's also a line to the Romans also, I mean... Yeah, so it, we are a great balance because yeah. I can be pushed over and my husband will stand firm. Okay, okay. And so as far as hospital things goes, we had our baby at Ulsan University Hospital because I was a risky... I'm not supposed to be able to have kids. I was medically told I couldn't. So my baby was a miracle, but it had lots of um, difficulties. Mm. But being in that hospital, I think, had benefits because they are very westernized and the doctors yeah. and everybody spoke fluent English. Or the best and, around here. Yeah. yeah, and we could negotiate. So like usually they don't tell you the sex, but she said she would because we're both foreigners. Mm. And, um, you know, all the things that we had, we could negotiate. So, and, you know, my husband was very firm. Mm. And so I was willing to eat the miyoku because I don't mind miyoku. Mm. Right. <laughs> my husband would sure. wa- want Western food. <laughs> so, <laughs> bring our hamburger. <laughs> <laughs> um, and he was a real blessing to me in, you know, just keeping the balance. Yeah. Mm. Good. So it sounds like a pretty positive experience. Oh, yeah, definitely. definitely. Because, I, from, I mean, in the, the groups that we're part of and stuff, there's so many. I think that we we come with very stubborn and and strong cultures from our mothers and sisters and aunts and mm. we expect one thing but we have to remember we're in Korea and it's different and sometimes we also have to give way to their mm. to their ways mm-hmm. but we hear so many horror stories and and crazy stories that I think the same we want to stand firm and protect our wives and sometimes we think that maybe they're afraid to speak up mm-hmm. or to challenge the doctors because they're so submissive to higher powers authority whoever Mm. um and the one that comes to mind for me is the c-section that they just plant that seed early Mm, mm, the mm. head's big the head's really big Mm, and it mm. sounds like from like you know the second or third month that they're already gearing you up for Mm, c-sections and they have one of the highest rates i believe in the world of Mm. c-sections here which never used to happen 20 years ago Mm, so and i think there's a lot less education on on being pregnant, going through the pregnancy, birthing, mm. and they don't have, I mean, a lot of them just learn from their mother or what their mother tells them, and it's not a lot of material for them. Mm. My my wife's grandmother raised her, not her mother, and my mother didn't offer a lot of advice or support, and I'm from a huge family. My mom's got five kids, Nona's got 10, and my sister's a nurse, and I think I'm pretty involved in that and i wanted to be involved but they kind of say hey korean husbands aren't involved mm-hmm. you, you don't have to be here and they asked me to leave the room and i was like no no, no i'll stay here thanks mm. so it, it was a very very different experience but i'm glad to hear you guys had such a positive one uh, being foreign parents in uh in korea do you is there anything you wish uh, or, or what do you feel like you're you're missing you said you didn't you can't get a babysitter or difficult to get a babysitter what do you feel that um uh, you're not getting here that you could get that you could get at home. Mm, I think because we are too built home. Oh, <laughs> don't even Real say that word. <laughs> I am now able to make my own, so I have. Oh. I have. Well, the, that's just cured meat, correct? Yeah, it's like jerky, but way better. 
Yeah. I got to oh, we got to talk. We got to talk. We'll talk yeah, jerky. Yeah, yeah. Um I think my my daughter um some some negative things because we are both foreigners, we don't have access to any of the government um things that are so we pay pay for daycare, we pay full fees. It's quite expensive. Um so if we were um you know, one of us were Korean, that would be different. Right. And then just the f- the family aspect of it. She has no um, family here. Aunts, uncles, um, cousins. Grandma, grandpa. Um, I really miss that for her and wish that for her. She's very blessed that she has a surrogate family because of church. Right. So she has a lot of people. But we're expats. So everybody comes and goes. That's mm. the culture of our church. And we build yeah. friendships and they leave. Yeah. And so she's constantly also saying goodbye mm. to aunties or uncles see that's uh, roy roy had a very uh very positive outlook on that like oh you know my my daughter has a an indonesian uncle and a and, a, and an aunt from from the united states and, and canadian uncles and i think that's kind of mm. kind of cool or very unique and i think that builds up that builds them up the character for for what they will face in the future i mean mm-hmm. when people think about moving back to canada and i say I kind of like it here, and if they, we talked a little bit earlier about the bullying or discriminating. It doesn't mean moving home that you're free from all of that, mm. or that you're safe from all that. It's it's the biggest problem going on right now is the bullying and, well, and the suicide you, and stuff. When you so. think about when you think about going home, I think we do romanticize like, oh, it's going to be just like my childhood, but it's it's no, completely it's very completely very different. different right? Absolutely, but um, yeah, that is that is probably hard. Eh? I mean, even navigating. Um, the, the Korean systems to register your child or mm-hmm. how do you how do you guys do that is it just do you get friends from church to yeah it must be a nightmare I have a Korean secretary I would say nice Miss um, <laughs> Young and she just does everything or helps us negotiate mm. um, documentation things like yeah. that and so. it's not uh, not so uh, not so easy is it recent recently in the last I don't know I would say maybe about five years mm-hmm. maybe a little more there's been a a huge influx of South Africans mm, mm. coming. One, what do you think is the driving force mm-hmm. behind that, and mm-hmm. what what are the what are these people facing at home? Like, if I went back to Canada right now, even with a master's, I I don't know what kind of job I would get. Mm-hmm. I think I'm qualified for a lot, but whether they would hire me or not is a different story. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm sure technologically, there's a lot of young people who are much more advanced than I am with the way all the te- tech stuff works these days. So why do you think there's such an influx, if you have any opinions or ideas, mm-hmm. and what might be the situation of these people back home? Can they get a good job? Can they, can they have a, a reasonable life or mm. not really? Um, unfortunately, our country has a very high unemployment rate. So for the general populace, it's 29%. Wow. But for the age group 18 to 24, it's 55%. <sighs> unemployment rate and for graduates it's 32 well that's the last time i checked if i right. so even though you graduate with a degree you cannot find a job you know these sounds like here and then number two is if you do find a job the 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 pay scale i mean i i studied for nine years but what i was paid I couldn't buy my groceries you know my 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 mother had to take care of me even though i was a old and had degrees so i think that's another reason and number three a korean teacher's salary if you put it into south african money 
it is a very good salary. Okay. Plus, they get their apartment, they get food yeah. at school, yeah. whatever food it's uh, and and um, so the package is extremely attractive for a South African. Okay. And Korea is just so so safe. Mm. But what but what was the difference like when when I came? It was mostly Canadians, Aussies, and Kiwis, mm-hmm. and I. I don't know where they've gone or what happened. I know that in Australia and New Zealand, the cost of living has gone way way up. So this and the salaries here have been stagnant mm-hmm. for as long as I've been here. Mm-hmm. So maybe it's not it's not worth it anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, but that makes me surprised. That there's still more Brits coming over mm-hmm. because I mean the the one compared to the pound, although it's much better now than it was ten years ago. It was only half. Now it's probably two thirds. But like, why wouldn't the South Africans have come over? before was it just lack of i mean nobody went and came back and told everyone hey it's really good come over come over is, mm. it, is it word of mouth or because i know that's what it was in canada some guys went to japan someone and then it was just boom boom boom. everybody started going overseas to teach because that was the thing to do mm. kind of similar or yeah we didn't know so when my f- friend came here six years ago i had never heard of that being able to happen or yeah. that that you can go teach or that that's an, an, option. an option go teach and- with any degree not, not a teaching degree, any, any degree. Any degree. Like an arts degree. Go to Korea. Any degree. And I mean, and there's a lot of agencies that have popped up in South Africa. Most That's what of, I was wondering, if, it was, if that was one driving and they were, force. And they were teachers here before, and they saw the need, and so they go and they create the agency because it's a good income. And so all of a sudden, it's this, it's the cool thing. Yeah, you know to do so, people. but it's also very financially rewarding. Oh yeah, and by, the, by the sounds of it, because in safe. Canada now. I mean, it's just, it's just not... The salaries here have been stagnant for so long. Mm. The cost of living was half the price of what it is now. Mm. And the the won was much stronger than the dollar. So if we sent money home, we, we'd be making 20%, 25% more. Mm-hmm. Um, but now there's been times when, when the Canadian dollar has been stronger than the won. And, and now the cost of living is so much more and the salaries are still the same. So mm. I wonder when I meet new Canadians coming and they think, wow, it's great here. It's so good. I think... You should have been here 10 years ago. It, it was incredible. <laughs> because I just think, how can young people make it now? I mean, we've we've cut out our niche and we know what to do and how to do and how to make money. But somebody coming first time making $2,000 a month is not a lot of money to send home to pay off yeah, your student I, loans. Still, they, they don't have to pay rent. They get, the, they get a flight. In but South that's African flight, rent, so that's what I, yeah. it is a lot of money. Yeah. Oh, and, yeah. And that's what they tell me, though. You know, you're forgetting that we get free housing. Mm-hmm. We get our airfare paid for. Lunches are at school. I don't eat breakfast. So I only eat once a, you know, soju still $1 a bottle. Mm-hmm. You can't drink like that at home. You can't party like that at home. Mm-hmm. So it's still very a very attractive place for a lot of people. And if you're, if some of us are here to pay debt and some of us are, or I see my congregation, the young people who come from South Africa, to travel. So for right. them, they teach to travel. So right. what they earn here and during Chusok or Solal, they go to other countries. Enjoy, yeah. So for them, that's still... It's a life experience. Mm-hmm. Is it common for South Africans to travel? I mean, just, uh, I would say... In South I, Africa, it's I, impossible because it's so expensive for us. So for us as South Africans growing up, we rarely get the opportunity to travel really unless your family is extremely well off. Okay. Because to, be- to buy an airplane ticket from South Africa, but so for us to come here and we're able to jump on a plane and just go to any of these countries, it's um, first time experience for most of us, yeah. By the way, found tickets to uh, Boracay, 85 bucks. I gotta leave in November. <laughs> I gotta go in November. But that's part of, I mean, being in Canada. I mean, we. It doesn't matter which way we go. We're still in Canada, or we get to America, and in in lots of ways, it's it's the similar. It's the same. 
So I always thought, man, being in Europe, except everyone, you guys chest puffed out. You guys could, <laughs> you guys could go an hour in any direction, go through two, three countries. It must be cool, but they're also similar. I mean, if you were in Canada and you went from East Coast to West Coast, you'd notice some big, big differences also. But yeah, I just think being here and with the AirAsia and those, you know, fifty, hundred dollars, you can go to so many places, mm-hmm. and especially if you get down in Southeast Asia. Wow, you can take those hopper planes anywhere, 50 mm-hmm. bucks, mm-hmm. and just go enjoy so many places. It's so mm-hmm. affordable. Mm-hmm. Um, and in Canada, it's just not like that, man. It's, it costs a fortune to go anywhere, mm-hmm. and you're still in Canada. Mm-hmm. Well, well, even, like I said, just flying, I just told them the, to, to fly to Philippines. It's a, a three hour flight that's, it was 85 bucks. To fly three hours west in Canada is 350, 400 bucks. <laughs> I think it's the same it's crazy. the motivation for our church as well because we can do things from Korea that we can not do so I have a missional heart and there's a lot of work to be done in other Asian countries right. and I can do them from here mm. so our church has a project called the book journey and we we plant reading rooms in grassroots churches in other Asian countries right ah. so in Korea, kids have thousands of books and they don't even read them and they have the opportunity. So the other Asian countries are very high. I mean, Philippines is like 100% literate, literature uh, level, uh, but they don't have the access. Right, yeah. So from a Korean um, springboard, we can do so much work that we could not do from South Africa. Absolutely. So we can plant those churches or those reading rooms or those whatever from here Mm. that I could never do from South Africa if I had to fly there. Mm. So do you envision in the future going to these countries and and starting or or being hands-on in the field in starting these projects or implementing these projects or will you always just think you'll be based from here and supporting other people to do those things? Our church is part of an international network of churches called Ethnos, which is based in New York City. And so the church has, or the network has churches everywhere, all over the, the world. Sounds and, like a part of the Avengers, man. <laughs> <laughs> and so um, with those networks, we are able to connect with pastors right. uh, on home soil. Okay. So the the... The vision is that from Korea, we open the, we're the Asian springboard for those countries who want to do the missions but don't know how yeah. or where the need is. Cool. So they can network with us and we say, okay, we have a church in the Philippines or a church here and they have this and this and this need. Um, so there's no shortage of books here. Mm-hmm. And so, but what about what about I was thinking? What about English books, though? That's 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 our focus. Right. So um, we want to uh, literally uh, literate. Being literate saves lives. Mm, sure. So if I can teach a kid to read, I can probably change his circumstances. So I love God, but I also love education. Mm. Um, if each Korean student in the Korean church gave 10 of their books away, they wouldn't even feel it. Right. But I can have a thousand books to put a library or a reading room in a grassroots church in an, another Asian country. Yeah. So if I have a thousand books, I fill three walls. So I have a reading room and the local community, all the schools, all the kids in that church's feeding ground have a safe place to go. So it's, it it works both ways. The church are always looking to get people in, Mm. but the community don't necessarily go there. But if they have a reading room, it's a safe space for the kids and the church gets to minister the love of God to the community. Um, so that is our, our media plan. Yeah. Cool. And my experience from my, my time in West Africa was that they don't 
they follow that stuff. If there's books, they go for the books. Mm-hmm. If there's free T-shirts this week, this week they're Presbyterian. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Next week, the Methodist Church has loaves of bread. Hey, now I'm Methodist. Mm-hmm. And they'll change. But but they get the opportunity. And if they feel something or they want to stay, then then that's they're, they're hooked and they can stay. And if they don't, they can go and, in the meantime, be empowered by learning how to read or English mm-hmm. or whatever else. So mm-hmm. I, I, I kind of like their philosophy. It's good. Where do you see the future or... Do you do you envision staying in Korea a long time, or uh, what do you see your role as the church? Do you envision gr- growing and and I, I don't know what do you think or what do you see for the church and for the future for you and your family, mm-hmm. Korea long term or? We love Korea and we're we're quite blessed and and happy here. I think the only thing that has changed is is having a, a child, and so my daughter um, changed my my life right and so now we are thinking about when she becomes school going age and having to go into the school system that might have to that might change our plans uh foreign school uh, or the the international schools are extremely expensive so they cater to engineers so my husband and i cannot afford biffs Um, Korean mainstream school my daughter is not Korean Mm. so even though by that she will be Korean fluent because she goes to Korean daycare putting her into the mainstream school is concerning for me just because of the pressure and the Korean style of schooling Mm. and even being able to help with homework or communicate with teachers and parent teacher everything sure everything is complicated so when she reaches school going age we would have to reconsider our options My husband can homeschool her. I mean, he's equipped, but I I would love for my my daughter to go to school. Yeah. I, I believe in the principles of going yeah. to school. Right. So right now we are here. Right now God hasn't told us to leave. Right now God has given us a great vision yeah. for our... It's time to go. <laughs> <laughs> um, but when when she gets to six or seven, we might have to reconsider. And what what do you think would be options? The states only or... A third, another third-party country, or yeah, George loves South Africa. I am scared to <laughs> to put her there, mm. and also just for us to make a life there. My husband's a teacher; I'm a pastor. The options, um, the states, um, though neither of us are particularly excited about going. Um, that's where family is, and so I really want my daughter to have a family structure. Yeah, um, and uh, we have lots of cousins and. So that might be the final force, but I would say any country mm. that God sends me, I would go. Cool. I don't know. That's that's something that pulls, I think, both of us towards home too. Is the is the family or the 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 way we envision more well, dinner at aunt's house or or cottage life or stuff like that. And when you go home, when you go home for summer, you get the full your home. Everyone wants to get together, and you get that full. Uh, that full experience of, you know, family family dinners or gatherings or. But it's for me. It's, for me, that's not. Like it's not reality. I go home. My my five brothers and sisters live all over the country, mm. and it's a huge country. It's not Korea where you drive four hours and you're anywhere. Mm-hmm. We wouldn't see each other in Canada anyways, mm. because we're spread out across the country. Mm. So, it's not any different than me living here and going home every two years or three years and spending a month of quality time. Mm-hmm. Than living four hours away but never going because to fly four people mm. or, or to drive is too expensive. Mm, mm. So for me, the reality is that even if I live in Canada, it doesn't guarantee 
family dinners and whatever else. My brother's in Calgary. There's no family. And, I mean, he sees a couple of our cousins or whatever once in a while, but he's not in that much different of a situation than you are because the rest of our family's all east of there. Mm. So it would really depend on where I, I moved to and where my mom and, mom and dad are and my sister. The winters are minus 40. And oh my goodness. <laughs> I got zero interest in living in Winnipeg. So... <laughs> Even going home, as much as I want my kids to be around grandma and grandpa, I, I wouldn't probably see them that much anyways. So mm. there's definitely some compromises and, and things that have to be made. But I don't know about your situation in America of all George's families all together in one state or... Same yeah. same block. Well, <laughs> <laughs> well his, his parents, his sister and his other sister all live in the same suburb. Oh. So oh, that has been a real blessing. They, their kids are all in the same school. Wow. <laughs> so, yeah, when I go there, it does feel like utopia. Yeah. And that's, I grew up with my cousins in my school. And yeah, it was fun. I see how my, my niece is now with my cousin's kids and they're all pretty tight and i kind of wish my kids were over there too <laughs> you know that's but we just went back for a month i think my daughters have made fabulous memories they can't wait to go back again but i also think if you're there all the time you take it for granted mm. and, and it's the old quality over quantity mm. that i remember being with my brothers and sisters every day and you know we took five different cars to university we said hello in the morning said goodnight at night because we all went to school, we all worked our jobs, and we all came home and did our thing. But now that I don't see them all the time, when we go home, we really have good times together, and we have we have a lot of quality time. Mm. And I don't go home for a week or, or 10 days. I try and go for as long as I can and to see all of my siblings and everybody mm. and, and to have that time together. Mm. But, man, I look back now and reflect, wow, we all had two or three part-time jobs in university, and it was just go, come, go, come, go, come, go, come, until there was a long weekend or a holiday or a festival, and then you'd spend time together. Mm -hmm. But otherwise, it was seven people all eating at different times. And oh. I don't mean when we were young, but once we hit adolescence and we were working part-time jobs, mm -hmm. he goes to hockey, she goes to dance, he goes to work, he's got night classes. That, I mean, it was... So it's just that. It's funny, too, that we look at, uh, we look at Korea, and I always... Poke, poke fun at them that their their kids are so involved and busy and you know got to go to math hagwon or this academy that academy but i think it's the same at home it's just maybe in uh, in a different capacity in maybe they're in sports Recreation or they're, they're doing something else but the, kid, the kids aren't any less busy no they are very busy if you move to the states what do you think you're going to miss most about most about korea the internet <laughs> george's family all live in arizona and um which is uh, the weather also concerns me because I I'm not good with heat and I'm used to green. Oh, it's a dry, so, it's a dry heat. <laughs> South Africa is very it's a dry green. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, the fast internet is <laughs> we're spoiled here. No doubt, absolutely. <laughs> I always laugh going home. It's like a time warp. And I think, <laughs> wow, I I thought we were an advanced nation, but man, it's so different going home and and just the way life works here with the connected connectivity is is incredible how everything is just interconnected it's crazy and and very convenient at the same time yeah i just wanted to ask with the, with that influx we talked about of south africans here mm. is there a reciprocal uh part of south africa that's gaining or, or uh becoming more knowledgeable of korea and and northeast asian culture practices k-pop and this kind of stuff or is it just go teach, make the money, come home? Or is there an influx of Korean tourists to South Africa now that more people are, are sharing cultures? Or 
as far as the tourism goes, in my experience, Korean people really want, they tell me, oh, a safari, safari, but they're very scared because of the crime. So I have had, you know, outreaches planned and they were canceled because the Korean populace were afraid of what they saw in the news. Mm. So I don't think it has necessarily positively affected tourism. Um, as far as the people coming here, um, the friends that have gone back, um, I have some friends who love K-pop since being here. I've not seen it, you know, take off in South Africa. Mm. Um, she knows, but nobody else knows. Yeah, okay, okay. Um, <laughs> they, they, um, some of my friends or people who've been here, they go, they cannot find a job. They keep coming back mm. <laughs> um, because there's a, no opportunity there. But as far as them taking the culture there, not so much that I'm aware of. If, if I go and we go on vacation, we went in April for a month. The there is, I would I, I, I would say ignorance maybe just about South Korea. It's not we all group mm. it Asia as uh, right. stereotypically Chinese. Chinese. Yeah, so I haven't seen the food or the, I know of one Korean restaurant in Joburg, mm. but apparently there are more, mm. but I'm just not aware. Yeah. Cool. But now it's same as home, but, but not really. I mean, these times going home, I mean, Hyundai has been one of the number one car sellers in Canada for 10 or 12 years now. And I mean, people are aware now of the Korean short track skaters and Kim Yuna figure skating and K-pop bands are touring all over Canada and America now. So it has, it is, it's changed lots. When I came to Korea, nobody knew. Mm. It, there was nothing really Korean. But now, you know, all my friends are throwing out iPhones and, and picking up Galaxy S10s. Um, so I think in that way... It's a better phone. In, in that way, I, I fully agree. <laughs> but I think that the culture has made people curious and interested. And the Korean restaurants at home, they're everywhere now. Mm. Everywhere. And kimchi is a superfood. And I got my buddies telling me they're going to try and make kimchi. And I go, are you serious? You were laughing about my kimchi consumption five years ago. Oh, which sharky? Now, which, now which you're... Sharky, sharky told us in the last podcast that it grows hair back, man. I but anyways, I, I just think it, it's funny. Like the stuff that you know people used to laugh at me about is now becoming... Even the miyokuk. Mm. Seaweed soup. And my mom and my sisters, they go, eh, seaweed soup. Now it's the number one regenerative uh, postpartum food. Mm-hmm. And now it's, you know... All over Canada and the States now they're promoting it. So, yeah, it's really funny to see how it, the perspectives have changed over the years. I haven't seen that ad campaign yet on Facebook. Okay? <laughs> Eat your seaweed. I don't know. What, uh, if you had one, one wish for your church for uh, kind of a, maybe in, in 10 years, if you could wave the magic wand and, and make a wish for the, for the church, where, where you hope to see it? I mean, if you went, where would you like, uh, where would you like to see it in five, in five to 10 years? I think uh, the networking. Yeah. Uh, so um, we used to, for a long time, I function in, in, in isolation. I think that's not healthy at all mm. for most missionaries. So just being more network minded with churches in, you know, across everywhere. And also, I think what I learned here is that um, the world is so small because of technology. So mm. our church can function from anywhere. Right now, we have a need in where we are. We're meeting a need. Um, the the need in Ulsan just for foreigners, especially just the family home, somewhere to go. We um, people are welcome and we hang out. But um, we thought small. We thought, okay, we're we're creating a little warm, fuzzy place. Mm. But um, God can use something small for something much larger. Mm. And we've realized now that we are the only. Um, English-speaking church in South Korea that has this uh, network with with the, with other churches to try and be a springboard into the rest of Asia. Yeah. Um, so even if I move, 
I can do that from anywhere. So even if I move, I would never cut ties with Korea. Mm. And I hope our ministry can continue through Korea. And if we um, put these things in places with our with our book journey to maintain that from wherever mm. wherever we are. Yeah, awesome. Okay, awesome, awesome. I think just before we go, can you give us or, or give us a little plug on the church, the services and, and masses and whatever programs you guys run? Mm-hmm. Um, and also maybe if, if anyone's looking to donate books mm-hmm. for your next project mm-hmm. and do you, you mentioned... Ship, do you ship books over to... Yeah, we want to make uh, it's a personal thing. So each child has to box and ship his books oh, okay. because he's taking personal responsibility Good. to enable a child in another country. Mm. So if a family or an organization donate, you know, they put their name on it nice. and it's sort of like a sponsoring. Cool. cool. Mm-hmm. I like it. Um, so and, and you mentioned therapy. If someone out there is lonely or, or troubled and looking for help, where could they come or what? Do you offer how could they get in touch with you? And mm-hmm. then we will make sure to put that information on the podcast and the website and everything else. Okay. So our church services are Sundays at noon because everybody likes to sleep. <laughs> and uh, our church uh, congregates at the in Daundong at the Daun Sagori. There is a, a big building with a coffee shop at the bottom called the Book Cafe oh, yeah. um, with a library on top. So we meet there Sundays at noon. Uh, there's a lot of activities or events. There's Bible studies on Sundays, once a week, women's Bible study, kids stuff. Um, we teach, we do library meetings, um, reading classes for all voluntarily. Do you have a website or a Facebook page or something people could find that information? Or? Sure. On Facebook, it's uh, English Journey English Church, and uh, the web page is the same. Um, if they want to contact us, they can contact us through Facebook or email. Um, and then as far as, sorry, what was the second half of your question? Oh, therapy. Um, that is, um, as needed. People just contact me. I usually meet them in the coffee shop at the, uh, in the bottom floor called the book cafe. And, uh, my, my therapy work is, um, something I do voluntarily on the side and, um, uh, has a different set of principles. Therefore, if you come for therapy, it's not religious. It's not related to the church. It is confidential, and it has all the same rules and regulations if, if you went, you know, for therapy elsewhere. But they're welcome to also text me through Facebook. Okay, great. Thank you very much for that. We will make sure to get that on Facebook and social media and stuff. Uh, so if anyone out there listening wants to check it out, they can. Journey, I just keep thinking of the band. Journey, don't stop believing. Anyways, journey, is don't that your... Don't stop believing. Is that your... <laughs> is that your... Uh, that should be your new your new motto. But anyways, Connett, thank you very much for, uh, for taking time out today. We enjoyed having you. Anyways, thanks everyone for listening. We'll talk to you guys soon. Bye-bye.